to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Good evening, everybody. Are you ready for the word tonight? All right. Praise God. Take your Bibles tonight. Go to John chapter 3. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for revelation in the hearts of your people that you would open the eyes of understanding, that we would come into a place to where we know who we really are and what you put us here to do and how we have the ability to do it. Father, we thank you that we are spirit, soul, and body. We thank you the angels are spirit, that you're spirit, and you're teaching us how to see into and look into and operate in the spirit realm. Father, I thank you for every word that comes forth tonight, and we give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. All right, go to John chapter 3 tonight. Look at verse 1. It says, There was a man in the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is what? Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be what? Born again. So here's Jesus teaching on being born again. Notice, number one, it does not say anything about going to heaven in these verses at all. Jesus taught on born again only once. This was it. He said, when you're born again, what happens to you? You can enter the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. Notice he separates the two. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That means when you're born of spirit and you become born again on the inside of you, there's an instant change. Your spirit man is born again, has the nature of God, the character of God, has the power of God on the inside of you, and you instantly become different from other people who are in the world. They are still what you would call flesh, but you are now spirit because you've been born again. What's the reason to get born again? So that you can enter into a government or a kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is basically the opposite of religion. We've all grown up in religion, we've been taught religious things, we, we've lived in religion, we've got religious ideas. When you get in the kingdom of God, then it says here you can see the kingdom of God. Say see. see. See, people out there who aren't born again cannot see into the kingdom of God, but we can, and through the word of God, we can learn how to operate in this spiritual kingdom that we entered into, and it's our responsibility to renew our minds in that area so that we can do that. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, let's go back to verse 12. It says, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the 
kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Here you can see the change that took place. At one time you were part of the kingdom of darkness. Here it says power, but it's actually the ruler or the kingdom of darkness. The day that you got born again, you entered into the kingdom of God. You were set free and taken out of the kingdom of darkness. So basically you were taken out of one government and put into another spiritual government. When you were in the kingdom of darkness, you were ruled by Satan, demons, your old nature and all those things. But once you got born again into the kingdom of God, God is now your ruler. And what we do is simply obey him through the word of God. Now notice, there's only, according to the Bible, there's only two people. There's those who are in the kingdom of God and those who are not in the kingdom of God. It never talks about black, white. It never talks about Jew, Greek. It never talks about male, female. It says you are either born again in the kingdom or you're not born again and not in the kingdom. So notice, spiritually, there's only two groups of people. There are those who are born again, and they live in the kingdom of God and under a new government. And there are those who live in the old government, basically, which is a power of darkness and Satan's government. All right, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. If everybody just understood that much there, it would deliver everybody of all the racial conflicts going on right now in the world. It would be over with. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 16. Here it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Notice here it says the constitution of the kingdom of God or the Bible is inspired by God. It's for doctrine, say doctrine. Doctrine is basically what supports what you believe. How do you get doctrine? You get it by information that leads you to make that decision of what doctrine you believe. Well, what makes our decision up? The Word of God basically forms our doctrines and what we believe, doesn't it? Or you can, your, some people's opinions are formed by something else. But as kingdom people, we have to be lined up with doctrine that is of God. Now, in the church today, there's many doctrines that have entered in that are not backed up in the Word of God. They're backed up in feelings and emotions. And basically, what you've got to do is when you get in the kingdom of God and get in a church that speaks truth, say truth, it's going to lead you in the right kind of doctrine and dismiss some of the old doctrines that you may have believed for a long time. This is what the Holy Ghost does. He is the spirit of truth. So doctrine, there'll be doctrine on how to live in health, doctrine how to live in authority, doctrine of the anointing, doctrine of wealth, power, relationships, all those doctrines come from the word of God, and that's what doctrines we have to follow. Now there's many doctrines out there that are confusing people, and one way if you want to be confused is be a church hopper. Go from one that teaches one thing, then go to church for a while it teaches something else, and go for a church for a while it teaches something else, and before you're done you will be confused with a capital C. Because out there, a lot, of, a lot of opinions are coming forth. A lot of people form their doctrines based on what has already happened to them in the natural realm rather than staying on God's word. How many know there's a big difference between God can heal, God might heal, God will heal, God does heal, or God did heal? 
See, and you can be taught any of these things in any church. People say, well, God can heal if he wants to. Well, that's not the truth. Why is that? Because God already healed people 2,000 years ago on the cross. It's already provided. So if you go the God will heal me routine, and then you get sick and God don't seem to heal you, then you start getting mad at God because he will heal you, but he won't. And why won't he? Because he just doesn't love me and just doesn't care for me. And what is it? Wrong doctrine had led you into air and led you into a place where you didn't need to go with your thought life. Are you following me? The Bible says God has already healed you. It's inspired word of God. So that's the doctrine I want to go with, right? We want to go with the word of God. We want to go with what the word of God says. Look at verse 17. What's the point? So that the man of God would be perfect. The word there is actually mature. That the man would be mature, furnished, equipped unto all good works. So if you're going to be equipped to do the kind of works that God wants you to do, you have to come out of error and wrong doctrine into the right doctrine. Hallelujah. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 3. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they keep to themselves teachers having itching ears. Say itching ears. Here it talks about sound doctrine. Say sound doctrine. Now, why didn't he just put doctrine? Because there's sound doctrine and there's also unsound doctrine. So he put that adjective in there to let you know that you need to have sound doctrine in your life and not have itching ears. What are itching ears? Itching ears are things that basically tickle people's emotions and feelings and do not challenge them to move up in the doctrine of God. In other words, uh, don't challenge me. Don't give me any spiritual responsibility. Don't tell me the tithe. Don't tell me what I sow I reap because God is in control of everything. And the one doctrine that has seeped into the church which has caused a lot of problems is simply that. God is in control of everything. It's one of the most dangerous doctrines that have ever come across Christianity. It has come into Christianity and basically people have believed it. And because of that, they're not living in victory. And I'm telling you right now, it is straight from the pit of hell and it is demonic. So basically what do you do? They believe everything. God's in control. Are you a sinner? Yes. Are you, are you saved? Yes. Are you healed? Yes. Are you sick? Yes. Whatever I was taught last, that's what I believe. So I'm just going to believe any doctrine out there. Well, they told me I'm holy and righteous. They told me I'm a worthless sinner. Which one do I believe? Well, where did I hear the last word? I guess I'm a sinner today. And somebody preaches I'm holy and righteous, and I jump over here. What's it do? It keeps you unstable, not only in your ways, but in your thought life about God and who God actually is. So basically, we want the truth. Look at verse 4. It says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto what? Fables. So in other words, let's face it, it's easier to say God's in control and live like a Christian than actually have a responsibility for me to do something. See, if the Bible tells me to, to tithe to get, it's easier just to say, well, I'd do that, but God's in control of my finances, and if he wants to bless you, he'll bless you, and if he don't want to bless you, he won't bless you. You know why? Because God's in control of everything. So it causes you not to act on the word of God, and we know that faith is basically acting on God's word, and that's what hooks us up with the spirit realm and the Holy Spirit in order for that spirit to get involved in our life. Now, if you're operating in air, you basically open the door for the other spirit realm, which is a spirit of darkness. So, and I mean, we've talked about healing here and, and we've had different people talking and I'm not coming against what they say, I'm adding to what they say. In other words, people say, well, unforgiveness keeps people from getting healing. This does, and it does, but also unbelief and air keep people from receiving also. I've got more people healed by first preaching them the gospel and then healing. The Bible says Jesus went around teaching and then healing. 
Why is that? Because he tried to get them to believe what they needed to believe to get saved anyway, and then they got saved or they got delivered or, or whatever happened in their life. So error is something that will keep you out of the things of God. Basically, wrong doctrine will keep you away from the things of God because all wrong doctrine is disagreement with God himself. And how many know two can walk together only if they what? Agree, praise God. All right, go to James chapter 3. All right, James chapter 3, look at verse 14. It says, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but it is earthly, it is sensual, and it is what? Devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and what? Every evil work. Now, this has nothing to do with the devil, really has nothing to do with God. It has to do with you. It has to do with what you believe, and, and if strife can be division. So if God says one thing and I believe something else, how many of you know I'm in division or strife from God and in strife from the truth? The Spirit of God is here to lead you and guide you into all what? He's not here to lead and guide you into a car wreck. He's not here to guide you into trial so that you grow up. He leads and guides you into the truth of the Word of God. Why is that? Because if you know the truth, you will be set and he wants everybody set free, don't he? So here you can see envy and strife. What does that draw into your life? It draws in devilish things and every evil work. So we've got a spirit realm here. We've got angels. We've got the spirit of God. We've got demons over here. And now what you believe and what you talk basically activates one realm or the other realm. See? Well, the devil's just after me. Well, there's a reason. If he's after you, you open the door somewhere along the line through unbelief or whatever you're speaking to hook up to that realm and invite him in. He just can't come in and take over your life. How many know God can't come in and take over your life? How many wish he would? Come on, but, but he can't, can he? Because basically we've got a free will and we've got to make decisions according to the word of God and understand that there's doctrines out there. So wrong doctrine employs demons in your life. Right doctrine keeps the spirit of God, angels, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. How many of you since you've been coming here are freer? Now notice, we didn't bring every one of you out. We didn't cast the devil out of you. You didn't vomit into buckets. You didn't head, didn't spin around, any of that stuff. We just let and guide you out of air into more truth, and the more truth and air you got out of, the freer you got. Are you following? So what happens, the Word of God just comes forth, and the more you sit under the Word, the more you spend time under the Word, the more you sit down under anointed teaching, it brings you out of where you were into where you are now, and freedom comes slowly. How many know it's a growth thing? You just don't get totally free right away. The more you learn and the more truth you get, you start walking in the things of God, and you get free of the devil in your life. That's why the kingdom of darkness is known as the kingdom of ignorance. You don't care if you get born again, just please, he says, remain ignorant of who you are, what you got, what God did, what's your responsibility. That way he can keep you saddled up anyway. Are you going to heaven? Yes, probably. But of course, we've got something to do between the time we get born again and the time we go to heaven because God has did that. So we want to grow up. We want to be furnished in every good work. We want to mature in the things of God. All right, go to 1 John chapter 4.
There's people that, you know, journal. I don't really journal, but a lot of people do. And if you journal and you do it all the time and you go back six years, seven years, five years from now, you're going to find out back then you were journaling some pretty stupid stuff. At the time, you thought you were a, a spiritual brain surgeon, but you weren't. You were putting down stuff where you just came out of a little bit of air into out of air number one. You know, you, you're like a B, and, and you got to get to Z, but you think you've arrived because you got to B, so you're journaling all that stuff down. Now you go back and think, how stupid could somebody be? Why is that? Because the Word of God slowly brings you out of the old way you were thinking into the truth so that you can flow with the Spirit of God and the things of God. All right, 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 6. It says, We are of God. He that knows God hears us. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of what? Amen. Now here it narrows it down, doesn't it? He said there, there's two forces in the world today. There's a spirit of truth who is the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, and there's spiritual forces out there which are demonic. The spirit of truth, once again, wants to lead you and guide you into all truth. The spirit of error wants to get you to depart from the truth and depart from the faith so he has a place to put you into bondage in your life. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. But if you don't know the truth, you will live in bondage. It's just that simple. So basically the word of God is brought to you. And, and basically you've got to understand which one you want to go with. And I'll tell you what, anybody that brings a doctrine to you should have at least out of the mouth of two or three, let every word be. So that you just can't jerk one scripture out of there. All things work together for good for those. Well, no, it don't. That's not even in there. That's in there about praying in the Spirit of God and praying with the Spirit of God, praying through you the will of God, and all things work together. You cannot, you've got to get the whole gist of the Scripture. You just can't jerk things out. Are you following me? Because that will give you wrong doctrine before it's over with. Getting hit by a car and killed is not all things working together. Well, all things work together. No, they didn't. The car ran over you and you're in a hospital now. That didn't work together. So we want to take Scripture, and whenever you're reading Scripture, you want to take the pattern, if it's 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 verses, you want to put those verses together and get what he's trying to say in those 9 or 10 verses. You just can't pull one out. So here it talks about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, two opposing forces. The key, notice what the key says, we are of God, say I am of God. So that means you need to know what God says about you, what God says about him, what God says about devils, what God says about truth, what God says about air. All these things you are slowly learning, but there's two forces every day trying to guide you in the right direction. All right, go to 2 Peter chapter 3. You'll come to a place as you practice the word of God where you can hear a voice and know where it came from. You don't have to pray in tongues four days to find out whether it was God or the devil. You will know instantly where it came from based on the Word of God because you know what the Word of God teaches and what doctrine it holds. All right, 2 Peter chapter 3, let's look at verse 17. This is the scripture at the end of the chapter that everybody breezes through because they think the chapter's over, but we're going to read it tonight. Verse 17, You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, Beware lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your steadfastness, but grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Here is a warning. He says, be warned. Don't be led away. Now what's he talking about being led away from? Truth. The truth that you've already heard and you know. How will he lead you away? Here it says, with the air of wickedness. The results of error, you will fall from your 
Steadfastness. If you're walking by faith, how many know you're steadfast? You're convinced. You're confident. What is the enemy trying to do? Pull you out of that into a place of thinking too much and going doubt and unbelief in your life. So doctrines of devil are designed to lead you away from the truth. Why? So that you will live bound by spiritual forces. And notice, you're not really bound by the devil. You're bound by doctrine. You're bound by wrong believing, what somebody taught you or what you got out of the Word of God that's not lined up with God Himself. So you're believing the wrong thing. That is air. Mark 16, we've read it a bunch of times. It says, the Lord worked with the Word, with the truth, causing supernatural signs and miracles. So as believers, we believe the Word of God. We preach the Word of God. We live by the Word of God. And as we do, the Lord works with the truth that we know to be operative in our life as a Spirit of God. If you don't know the truth and you're an heir, how many know that you're going to involve demon spiritual influence in your life because you're now in heir? Look at verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we must continue to grow, don't we? None of us have arrived yet. Some of us has grown more than the other in the knowledge of the truth. And basically, TCVC is here and was raised up to deliver people from error to come in the knowledge of the truth and get more free in their daily lives. The more free you get and get your mind off all your trouble, the more you'll be used by God to help other people because you can't help other people when you're totally involved in your problems all the time. So it sets you free. When it sets you free of sickness and disease, sets you free of worry, sets you free of doubt, you can be used as a minister then to help other people and pull them out of worry, pull them out of doubt. But you can't do that if you're worrying yourself. You'll just agree with them. Well, I'm so worried about what's going on right now. Me too. My God, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's terrible. Dude, it's really terrible out there. You're not going to help anybody going along and air with them. You want to get to a place where you're free and you can help other people out. So one of the biggest errors or one of the biggest demonic things is God is in control of everything. That is a doctrine basically that attributes to God the work of the devil makes God responsible for everything that's going on in the earth realm. In other words, nothing gets done unless God does it. Well, that takes all the responsibility off man, don't it? And it takes all the responsibility off the devil, don't it? Because God's in control of everything. So directly or indirectly, God is in charge of starvation. He's in charge of the rapes going on. He's in charge of the poverty. He's in charge of the insanity. He's in charge of disease. He's in charge of the curse. In other words, God has a dual nature. He's a good God, but also he's a bad God. And when you're taught this doctrine, that's what you think. Because everybody tells you he's a good God, good God, then your life's going terrible. And, and if everything's from God, then how can a good God be putting all this terrible stuff on me if he's a good God? So what does it bring? It brings confusion. And I'll tell you what it brings in a lot of people's life. It brings anger. They get mad at God. Well, if this is such a loving, good God, then why is this happening to me? You ought to be able to do something about that. My goodness sake, what kind of God am I serving here? This is just terrible. Because you don't know that God is not in control of those situations that are coming in your life, and you're blaming God. Now, if you're mad at God and don't want to forgive Him and don't even want to talk to Him, how many know you're not going to have a very good life? Yeah. See, but that's what this doctrine does to you. It hits people out there. And I'll tell you, you run into 98% of the Christians you run into, you say, God's in control. Boy, they'll agree with you. Yes, He is. Praise God. He's in control of everything. But He's not in control of everything. You are in control. But you let Him in control when you allow Him to influence your life by walking in truth through the Spirit of God who is on the inside of you. All right, go to Genesis chapter 3. There's a whole lot of people out there mad at God. 
Been there. I mean, when my sister at the age of 21 or 22 got in a car accident, was what they call semi-comatose and never really came out of it or anything else, and I was taught God, God's in control, I thought, what kind of God's that? You want to serve God? No. I'm doing fine. I haven't been in a car accident or anything. I'm certainly not going to go with somebody who's going to smash me up and beat this person up and put my sister there. And if God's in control, then what kind of loving God is that? And that's just the way I felt for years. So what did I do? I tried to drink myself out of it. I mean, that helps for about three hours. All right, Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shall thy go, and dust shall thy eat in the days of life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shall thou bring forth children, and the desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of, cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shall they eat of all the days of the world. Now you've heard people say, You've got to do this, you've got to do that, or God's going to curse you. But notice, God never cursed anybody. Here he said the reason that Adam was cursed is because of what he did in disobeying God. He brought the curse into his life and into the earth realm. Even the devil, the snake, brought the curse into his own life, didn't he? So God's not sitting up there waiting for you to make a mistake and then say, I curse you. It doesn't work that way. There's spiritual laws that you can operate under the blessing and under the curse. And if you choose to operate under the curse, thouest, shallest, beest, cursedest. If you operate under the blessing, then you will be under the blessing. God really has no say in it. The Spirit of God is trying to lead you in the right direction because he doesn't want you in that kind of stuff. But it's up to you about the curse. People say all the time, well, God's cursing this one. No, he does not have a bag full of curses that he releases on everybody every time they make a mistake. He doesn't do that. God is a God of love and he is a God of good things. So basically the curse did not come in the world through God because he was mad at Adam. It came in simply because Adam disobeyed God and opened the window and the door to the demonic realm himself. All right, go to James chapter 1. And this is something in my life that I learned a long time ago. And I knew the scriptures, and I knew what they said, and I knew what they taught me. But even though I could say amen to these scriptures and do it, deep inside of me there was still this way of thinking to where if something went wrong, I still was blaming God. And I knew I wasn't supposed to be, but it was, it was ingrained in there so much that it was in there. So basically if a sickness came upon my body and I prayed and didn't get healed, guess what? I got mad at God. Hey, you're the one that said, by his stripes I've been healed. You're the one that says you were supposed to heal me, and you haven't healed me. Why ain't you healing me? You should be healing me. I know. No, I didn't know anything. But I knew the scriptures. I had studied them. I saw them. But there's something still inside of me that was making God out to be the bad guy. Making God out to not wanting to do something for me. Not wanting to help me. Doesn't want to do something for me. Even I knew that God wasn't in control. There had to be a, a little ticker that went off finally in me where I discerned, oh, a God's not in control. You know, one day it just, that's right, he's not. Praise God, I can't do that. So there's a clicker on the inside because we were all raised in religiosity. We were all raised by people who thought God was in control. And God gets blamed for everything. 
People say, well, I'm in the ministry and they're blaming me for everything. I said, thank God you're not God. You got three people in your church blaming you. He's got millions of people all over the world blaming him for everything. But he just keeps going forth. What's he trying to do? Bring everybody out of air so they can operate in the things of God. All right, James chapter 1. Look at verse 16. This is interesting. Look what it says. Do not err, my beloved brother. Now, why do you think he put that in there? Come on, it's not in the Bible, hardly any place. Also, one who says, hey, do not err, my beloved brother, because he knew everybody was going to err in this area. Look at verse 17. Every curse, every sickness, every evil thing, no, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So this tells you that it's not every curse, not every disease, not every car wreck, not every thunderstorm that comes your way is of God, but every good and perfect gift comes down, and he warns you. He says, do not err. In other words, do not think like this. And then he goes on later on, and he says, when people curse you, you need to bless them. Why? Because if I curse them, then God's going to get mad, and he's going to curse me. No, it's a spiritual law. When you bless others, you get blessed. When you curse others, you get God's not anywhere in it at all. Make your choice, he says. Life, death, whatever you want to do, it's entirely up to you. But he's not the one in control and coming after you for the things you do wrong. You're simply disobeying the law of God. And when you do that, you get the results of disobeying the law of God. You can't get mad at God because you went 100 miles an hour on 995 and got picked up for speeding. Well, God, you should have had that cop someplace else than where he was now. No, you disobeyed, you broke the law, and you pay the consequences of the law. It had nothing to do with God whatsoever. And even if you say, I drove 100 mile an hour for a long time and didn't get picked up, you can't claim God's protection either. You were basically lucky. Nobody was sitting there with a radar gun and nailed you. So everything's been put to God, to God. But notice, God is good, and every perfect gift and every wonderful gift comes from Him. All right, go to Matthew chapter 12. And I tell you, you want to make religious people mad in your family? Just start talking about God's not in control. (laughs) You'll run smack into the devil with that one, praise God. They've been taught that their whole life, and they ain't going to listen to anybody about it, and they don't want any responsibility, and they don't want to be for anything, praise God. They just want God to be in control. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. It's entirely up to God, but it's not that way in our lives. All right, Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Now, you think God has a good heart or a bad heart? He has a good heart, don't he? So he can't bring forth evil things because he has a good heart. Couldn't if he wanted to. No, he brings forth good things. But an evil man with an evil heart brings forth what? Evil things. So a good man can only bring forth good things. A bad man or an evil man can only bring forth evil things. If you remember, God at creation basically said everything that he made was good. Everything at the end. I'll tell you what, if you look up in the Bible, even the devil was made good. He was made Lucifer. He was a servant of God. Boy, he was right up there in the heavenlies with God until he made a mistake. So everything God made was good. Now, 
if your heart gets to a place where it's also good, and this word here means lined up or perfect. So if I get a good heart which is lined up with the doctrine of God and what God thinks and how God acts, I am going to bring forth good things in my life. If I have error in my heart, which basically comes from evil, and I am walking in evil doctrine, then I'm going to attract demonic spirits, and they're going to come and live in my life. But once again, it's my choice of who I've got operating in my life. Do I have the Spirit of God and the angels, or do I have demonic spirits over here simply because I'm not in faith with the Word of God, and I'm in air with what I believe and what I speak? All right, go to Romans chapter 5. All right, this section here basically shows you that the responsibility was basically man. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, so that all had sinned. Notice, it's not by one God. It's by one man that sin entered into the world. Look at verse 17. For if by one Man's offense, death reigned by one. It wasn't God's idea, it was by one man. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So all these scriptures basically show you that when Adam fell, what he had was perverted. Faith was perverted and it was now fear. Love went to hate. Truth went to air and lies, and life went to death. Everything was perverted back, and man went under the kingdom of darkness, and he was ruled by demonic spirits. Why? Because of ignorance. I mean, before I was born again, I didn't know what was in the Word of God. I never picked a book up. I, they read something at church every day and closed it up, and that was about it. I wasn't growing out of my air. I was living in air. Every thought I had was wrong. Every idea I had was wrong. Then when I got born again, it opened my eyes to the kingdom of God and the spirit realm so I could start reducing the air in my life and turn it into truth. And the more truth I got in, the freer I got, and the happier I got, and the more joyful I got, and the victory I've got. And I would no longer argue with God about things because I knew His way happened to be the best way. Praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 9. All right, Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest." 10.1, and when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness 
and all manner of disease. Here you see a multitude of sick people, demon-possessed people. They had no leader. They had no shepherd. Nobody given them the truth. They came and there was problems, and Jesus said, don't worry about it. That's just my Father's will. If they're sick, they're sick. That's what he wants, and that's the way it works here, so we'll just let them be sick. Don't worry. My Father's in control of everything. Don't worry about it, everybody. God's going to take care of it. He's my daddy. He's a good one. He'll take care of it. Now, notice he ordained laborers to come against the evil that was controlling these people. Why is God's will on earth not done? Because of lack of laborers. Everybody preaching in this time and singing in this time and wanting God to do something, he's not going to do something until we do something. Amen. And it's time really for the church to get gone, praise God. Some of us got to get gone with other church people because they've, they've got to wake up and understand what's going on and what needs to be done. That's going to be done by giving them the truth. But I'll tell you what, you better have the scriptures to back up what you're saying because they're going to want to see them. They can come up with a thousand other scriptures that don't mean anything or has been mistaught to them. But when you say God's in control of everything, they'll say, prove it. Well, my pastor said so. Well, they don't care. They don't even know your pastor, and they couldn't care less what he said. So as a disciple, you're going to have to be able to prove, well, this is why it's that way. This is why it takes place. God doesn't do evil. God didn't create evil. God didn't bring the curse. God has told us. He's given us authority and power. God has given you authority and power. I remember I was teaching this one time. It was in it strong and talking to mom on the phone all the time about the words of her mouth. That the words of your mouth are very important in the spirit realm. Very, very, very important in the spirit realm. Well, she's out of the Catholic denomination and everything. And blah, 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 I don't really believe that stuff. And, and she got down here finally. She came to visit one time and she walked in the house. And the first thing she said was, you know, I just haven't felt good coming all the way down here. I'm sorry I came down here and probably surprised we didn't get killed on the airplane. And blah, 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 blah. And she looked at me and she said, before you say a word, I don't want to hear it. I'll say whatever I want out my mouth. <laughs> And I said, well, bless God, you're going to get whatever you're asking for out of your mouth then too. Glory to God. See, they get mad at you. They get mad at you for giving them the truth and trying to get them out. I'll tell you. Okay. A lot of people have left this church because they lost a loved one. And if I said they were healed, then they should have been healed. Therefore, I don't know what I'm talking about. Or they wanted to die, they'd have been healed. See, that's the logic people have. Well, my, my dad died. My mom died. And you're preaching by the stripes of Jesus they were healed. Well, if they were healed, then they wouldn't have died because that ain't the way it is. Well, you've got to understand. There's people going to hell too. Did Jesus die for everybody? Right. He did, didn't he? But people are going to hell, ain't he? Yeah. Then why are they going to hell? It's not God's fault. It's not my fault. So I'm not going to preach salvation. No sense accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior because everybody's going to hell anyway and you might go and you might not go. And No, you've got to preach the truth. People may get mad, but I'll tell you what, if they grab onto that truth, they're going to get more free. I mean, Jesus suffered and died on the cross. He prayed for The Bible says that uh, God's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. Well, how I mean all flesh don't have the spirit? But that doesn't make the word wrong. It makes people who won't obey the word wrong. And then people get mad at you for preaching the truth. And then they want to run someplace else that teaches, well, sometimes God will heal. And sometimes he won't. If it's Wednesday and he's having a good day, get there. If it's Thursday he's having a bad day, don't get there. And then they believe this stuff, yell amen, and they don't have to deal. See, nobody wants to deal right here. We want to deal with you. I want to deal with you. And I want to deal with you. But I certainly don't want to deal here. Because after all, I'm a pastor and a man of God. No, that's not the way it is. God wants to deal right here. He wants to line you up with the truth. He wants to give you a place to speak the truth because that's the only thing that's really going to help people out there. So he commissioned his disciples who went out and started healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Two realms in the earth. There's good, there's evil, there's blessing, and there's 
curse. And whichever one you choose to hook up with, you activate spiritual activity in your life. Once again, if the devil's chasing you all the time, you got demonic perfume on you somewhere. Come on, that needs to go because you're drawing him. You're drawing with your thought life and with your mouth. And he can put words in your thought life, but you don't have to say them. And that's where you get to the point in 2 Corinthians where it talks about casting down every thought and every imagination that exalts itself against the word of God. But if you don't know the word of God, you don't know if exalting by the word of God, if it is the word of God, if it's God, the devil, the angel, or who it is. That's why you've got to know what this word says. And you've got to prove it to yourself. That's who you are and what you can do in your life. Praise God. All right, go to Proverbs 18. All right, Proverbs chapter 18, look at verse 21. Death and life are in God's control. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. No, death and life are what? In the power of tongue. Listen, if it was in God's control, I can say anything I want to. I can curse tonight. I can swear tonight. Why? God's in control of my tongue. He's in control of everything in my life. And I don't have to worry about on judgment day because if he's in control of my mouth and he had me cuss, then he can't judge me because he's the one that cussed through my mouth. Praise God. See the logic in this stuff that we have? It's not true. It's basically life or death is in the power of your tongue. So what I say makes a difference in my life. And some people believe that God goes around killing people all the time. You know, well, if he wouldn't have smashed my little boy and ran over him with a truck, Uncle George would have never got saved at the funeral. So God was just working the whole time. No, he wasn't. That was the devil doing that stuff that smashed him and killed him. And Uncle George should have got born again 40 years ago, but he was too thick-headed to get born again. When he found somebody deaf, something came out of it, but that's not the way it was, praise God. You cannot blame God for things. The train wreck wasn't God's fault. God doesn't go around killing everybody. He does not have stock in funeral homes. He doesn't do that. He's not out to kill. He's out to keep you here, as Jesus prayed, for as long as he can possibly have you here so that you can fulfill the desire that he put you here for and the place that he put you here on the earth to do. So God is in control where? In heaven, isn't he? And you know, things are going, from what I read, pretty good up there. No sickness up there, no disease up there, nobody getting hit by a train up there. Everything seems to be pretty good. Why? Because God's in control there. But you don't have to die and go to heaven to let God be in control here. You can choose to allow the influence of God in your life by lining up with God and your mouth with God and the doctrine of God and letting the Holy Spirit and even angels go to work in your life. I mean, angels are looking to go to work in your life. They're sitting there. Angels don't really know a whole lot. They just sit there and wait for you to give them a command. And if you say, praise God, I'm going to walk in protection today, they go, what, George, Harold, let's go, praise God. And you say, well, I'll probably die today. They said, well, you don't want our help today. Just wait. Maybe somebody else will come along and do something about it. See, the only thing they respond to, according to the Bible, is the words of your mouth. So you're either employing them or deploying them, one or the other, depending on how you speak out of your mouth. That's why we want to know the doctrines of God. We want to know the Word of God. We want to speak in line with the Word of God to allow spiritual things in our life, praise God. And we don't want error. We don't want wickedness. And This is in healing. This is in victory. This is in your wealth. This is everything. Once you line up with God, you can stop worrying about anything in your life because Daddy's going to step in and He's going to take care of everything in your life, praise God. So many people out there are still in a place where they're begging God for everything. You don't have to beg God for 
nothing. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and when you got born into citizenship, these things legally belong to you. Health is yours. Peace is yours. Joy is yours. You entered the kingdom of God, and they belong to you, just like any other citizenship gives you privileges. So does the kingdom of God. There's no sense going to him and asking him to give you the privilege that he already gave you. You need to learn how to enforce the privileges that he's already given to you. You know, as an older person, you know, you get a retirement check and a retirement check comes in and, and one first of the month, no retirement check comes in. I wouldn't just say, well, God's in control. If I get one next month, I get one next month. No, bless God, I get on the phone. I contact every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the government. I want to know where my check is. I'm a citizen and I got that thing and you owe me this money. Bless God, you're going to give me that money one way or another and with interest before this is over with, praise God. But see, in spiritual things, we say, oh, I'm just down today. I lost my peace and joy today. Well, praise God, get it back then. Go after it. Grab the devil by the throat and kick him out of there, praise God. Because these are not only privileges, they're things that have been given to us. They're legal for each and every one of us. So notice here he talks about our mouth. God gave man us rulership on the earth, and you rule with your mouth. So the church basically, one number one, needs to get control of their mouth. How many of you know that? All right, go to Matthew 17. All right, Matthew 17, look at verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast out that demon? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goes not out, but by prayer and by what? Fasting. Here it says, If you have faith like a mustard seed, you will say. Say, if I have faith faith. as a mustard seed, I will say. Now, what if I don't know that and I don't say? What if I don't talk to the mountain that's in my way? What if I just think that's another hurdle God gave me to help me grow up in the things of the Lord and teaching me to jump higher in every situation and every trial, and I'm just going to fight my way around that mountain? No, he tells you here to speak to that mountain. Look at verse 21. Here it talks about prayer and fasting. Say prayer and fasting. How many know not, God's not in control of your prayer and fasting? See, that's up to us again, isn't it? That's your choice, whether to or whether not. A lack of prayer and fasting will leave you powerless in the things of God. It'll put you in a place where you're not in position to do the things of God. The Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Not proceed, but follow. In other words, well, if I see a miracle, I'll start operating in them. No, believe you have the power for the miracle, like the word says, and they will follow you. You do not follow them. So where there's demon-possessed and sick people, it's not because God is in control. It's because the church is in control and not doing the job that they need to be doing. These are signs that follow a believer. All right, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at verse 12. Well-known scripture. 
It says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Notice it tells you to fight what? The good fight of what? Now why? If God's in control. Why should I fight the good fight of faith if God's either going to heal me or not, or not heal me or not, or bless me or not, or not bless me or not, or make me prosperous or not? Why should I fight faith at all if God's just going to do what he wants to do anyway? What good's my faith going to do in this situation? Because God's in control of everything. So what does the God in control doctrine do? It gets you to be passive in your life in things that you were created to do. You were created with dominion and authority to rule and reign in situations. You were created to have faith in God's word. You were created to be in control of the things in your life. And God's in control just has me step back and exercise none of that. Why should I use my authority if God's going to do what God's going to do anyway? Why should I stand against it if God's going to do what God's going to do? It? It's all up to God. It has nothing to do with me. So what does it do? It strips us from our vision of who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. That's who we were created. We were created with dominion and power and to rule the earth. Well, this tells us not to bother because God's going to do whatever God wants to do anyway. So what's the difference anyway? And then people will come and get mad at these kind of teachings and say, well, you're just trying to change God through your faith. I'm not changing God. I'm agreeing with God. He's the one that said it first. I didn't make it up then try to get agreement from him. I found it in his constitution. I found it in his word and basically what it says. I found out that I have a part to play and you've got people who say, praise God. Oh, yeah, I know the scripture, and I don't believe God's in control of everything. How you doing? Well, not too good. You know, my car's being repoed this week. My wife left me yesterday. I lost my job. God's will be done. He's in control of everything. No, it's not that way. And I'm not telling you foolish stuff. I'm telling you, you just talk, go out and talk to some people, and they'll give you better examples than I'm giving you right now of that God's in control of everything. And all this stuff came in through New Age. The New Age doctrine brought in that, that God is in control of everything. He's in control of the good, and he's also in control of the bad. And actually, God uses devil to teach and train you and grow you up in the things of God. He uses the devil for it. And, and I'll tell you, there's some Christian books out there. If you've ever read the, uh, what is it, the, uh, the Christian Bible, Spirit-Filled Bible, it's called. If you go in there and you look at some of the things, you'll see pastors who've got churches of 8,000 people making comments underneath that say things like, God is the one who allows the devil to do things in your life so that you become a better character person in the kingdom of God. And these are pastors who are pastors over seven, 8,000 people. Now, how many know those people aren't going to speak to the mountain? They don't care what they say out their mouth. They don't care what they're doing. Why is that? Because God's in control of everything. Now, if I really believe God was in control of everything, then I would get mad at him every time something negative happens in my life. I mean, is he good? Yes. Does he love me? Yes. Then I expect everything to be chee-chee-chee-chee in my life. I'm not going to have any problems. Hallelujah, because God's in control of everything. But how many know that's fictional? See, it's not going to work that way. You had to get born again, and when you did, it wasn't God who got you born again. It was you who finally came to the light and understand, got out of your ignorance and understand, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. When you got full of the Holy Ghost, you had to come to a place and say, He has put His Spirit upon all flesh, and I receive the anointing of God right now into my life, praise God. If not, there's a lot of people out there born again who are not spiritually baptized. Why is that? Because they've been taught different. You may have been taught tongues are of the devil. And you know what? If that's what you were taught, that's what you believe. So you go to a church where they're speaking in tongues, man, you put your hand over your ears and run right out the back door. Why is that? That's demonic. That's not God. 
Because the information that we get has an effect on your thought life and on what you believe and on the doctrines, basically. So everything that comes your way that you're listening to, you've got to learn to shut some things off and leave some things on. And if I find something really good, I'll leave it on for several times. There's some tapes I've listened to five times in a row and still don't know if I got it yet. Because they're changing a way of thinking that was a stronghold in my life for a long time that I believed. And basically it just came to a place in my life where, where I had to get out of that. So all the bondages that you're in basically are because you're an heir in some place in your life. In other words, you're not lined up with the doctrine of God or obeying the doctrine of God for your life. So praise God. All right, let's see. Oh man, that clock is moving today. So the control doctrine basically goes to a place where it says nothing happens unless God allows it. Nothing takes place unless God allows it. But the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. It tells you to walk in love. Is it up to God whether you walk in love? No, it's up to you whether you walk in love. It tells you to walk in the spirit. Is it up to God? He tells you to speak to the mountain. Is it up to you to speak to the mountain? He tells you to tithe. Is it up to him whether you tithe or not? See, all these things are our responsibility, so God's not in control of those areas of our life, but he will be when you come into agreement with him and his doctrine. Now you've allowed God into your life to do things in your life. And like I was talking about on Sunday, once you make a decision that the word's true and you believe the word of God and you're staying right there, the Holy Ghost gets involved. If you come to a place where we've been in debt for a long time and that's it, bless God, he don't want me in debt and I am coming out of debt right now in the name of Jesus and that's the way it's going to be because God said it. Now the Holy Ghost goes to work, tells you to do this and do that, invest here, invest there, give here, do that. Do. What happened? Once you make that decision, but if you're going to hem haw, well, I'd sure like to be out of debt. I'd study being out of debt, but I just ain't got time to study being out of debt. And most people that believe it want him to come with a dog with a million dollars in his mouth and drop it off on your front porch. And let me tell you, I'm not saying that can't happen, but I'm telling you it doesn't happen that way most of the time. It's a step by step by step. What's he doing? Continually changing the way you spend, continually changing the way you look at money, continually changing all these ways in your life. I was reading a book today and it, it said something striking. It says that because everybody in the world wants things so they can be important. Who's ever got the best car? Who's ever got the biggest house? They're important. But God does not give you things to make you important. He gives you things because you are important. You are an important person. That's what he wants to give you. The Bible says he wants to give you the entire kingdom. But we're fussing around and fighting around and, and talking against it and not receiving it. And that's why we haven't received it in our lives to this point. All right, go to 1 John chapter 5. And in my life, sometimes, you know, you compare the spiritual to the natural because they're basically parallel, even though we want to remain in the spirit. But there's a lot of things in my life that I was told that I shouldn't do, and I did, and I learned not to do them by what I did. Yeah. When I could have just not did them because somebody told me not to do them, and if I just not did them, I wouldn't have got hit by the car before I found out I shouldn't play in the street. But once I got hit, boy, I got a revelation then, glory to God, that you don't do that out there. So as you hear the voice of God, the best thing you can do is obey the word of God without getting ran over three times before you obey what he's told you to do. Are you following me? Because that happens, don't it? Sometimes we're stubborn. We've been doing it that way forever. That's the way grandma did it. That's the way great grandma did it. That's the way mom did it. Well, you've got to break out of that fold and get to a place where you understand the word of God. All right, one, first John chapter five. Look at verse 18. We know 
that whosoever is born of God sins not, but he that is begotten of God keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Now, where's God in that verse? Nowhere in there, is there? Not in there, no responsibility. If you keep yourself, protect yourself, stand under the word of God, the wicked one would not touch you at all. Some people taught and blamed God for everything. They get mad at God when things go wrong. They leave church and leave God and, and backslide because of God. And it's because of wrong doctrine that they backslide. It's because they don't understand. I mean, in the Old Testament, way back then, there was a time when the death angel was going around killing everybody except those who put the blood on their doorpost. How many of you said, well, I don't care. God's in control of everything. We're not going to put blood on our doorpost. And your whole family gets killed. And then you want to blame God. Well, God killed us. No, you didn't put blood on your doorpost. And if you would have, it would have passed over just like God told you to do. Well, we're the same way. He tells us to do things. And well, no, we don't have to do that. Death angel's going to pass. And then he doesn't. Then the poverty angel hits you. Then the worry angel hits you. Then a fear angel hits you. And now once you figure out that's not what you're supposed to be doing to begin with, praise God. So these days, basically, we've even got people doing witchcraft, putting curses on Christians. You don't have to be cursed of anything for God's sakes. You've got power over all that stuff. The problem is they're declaring things and you're agreeing with them. That's why psychics are dangerous. They'll just make stuff up. You'll agree with it. And then out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So you don't need that kind of stuff. You've got a seer on the inside of you. You don't need a seer anywhere else that's going to lead you in the wrong direction and don't have any Holy Ghost in them whatsoever. Praise God. Just say, get lost in the name of Jesus and that pretty much will take care of it. All right, go to Galatians chapter 6. All right, Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 7. Here's a spiritual law. Verse 7 says, be not deceived. Now, why would he say that? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also. For if he sows to his flesh, he shall reap of flesh corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, he shall reap life everlasting. And don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. So that's pretty well cut and dried, isn't it? It really has nothing to do with God. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. If it's good or bad, if it's love or peace, if it's joy, that's why the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. How I many you know I was taught the louder you can yell over the other person, you're winning the battle. If they're at level 8, you go to level 9. If they go to 10, you go to 11. When they can't go no higher, you win! And then you hate them for the rest of your life because you got in a battle with them. See? But it's different in the kingdom of God, isn't it? We do it differently. Somebody screams and hollers at us. What do we say? I just love you. You know, you're just a wonderful person. I'm so glad we had this conversation. It's really worked out for us very well. And what are you doing? You're operating in God. But I'll tell you what, you're ushering the spirit of God in that place and the spirit of peace into that conversation and even into that person's life. You screaming at them is not going to be the answer. But that's what we were taught when we were younger. Spare the rod, uh, spoil the child. I mean, you know, spare the rod, hate your child. That's a lot different than spoiling them. So what do you choose to do if you have kids? You should love them. Yeah? If they get out, of, get out of hand, they need a little love tap. And I'm not telling you to get a log and beat the heck out of them. I'm telling you to sit them down and say, hey, we told you to do this. You didn't do it. You need to do this. And we love you and we want to keep you on a straight path. So we're going to paddle your little bottom for a little while right now. Don't say, well, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Trust me, they don't believe that. I don't know what you're trying to do to them. Nobody's that stupid. 
So what am I going to do? I'm going to sit them down. I told my boys what happened. I told you what you should have did. And I turned them over and I spanked their little bottom. How many know you need to do that when they're young enough to spank? Because when they get to 6'4 and 6'2, you're not going to be able to use that rod anymore. And if you bring it out, you better run after they take it away from you. So we want to do that at a young age when we can bring them up and get them to be obedient and show them that's the right way that we need to go, praise God. So whatever a man sows, he shall reap, whether it's good or bad. You're the one sowing and you are the one reaping. All right, one more. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And you can see the world. I'll tell you, you want to know the doctrine of God? Just look at everything the world's teaching you now and go the opposite way. Don't touch your kids. Well, you, now you know you better spank them. Yeah. Hey, whatever they tell you, that's the way it is. <laughs> so true. All right, First Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Now notice, this is God's good and acceptable will in the sight of God, that all men be saved. Now if God's in control of everything, then all men should be saved, because that's what God wants to do. But he's not in control, so he can't save anybody because he already saved them, and we are bringing them into the knowledge of the truth so that they may get saved. But notice also it's two parts. It says, who will have all men to be saved, number one, into the kingdom of God, but then after that, come into the knowledge of what? The truth. Because if you stay in air and get saved, you're just going to have a worse life than you had before. Because not only are you going to go through the things in your life, but now there's going to be conviction on the inside that you can't even get away with what you could get away with before because nobody cared before. You could go out and get smashed and make a fool of yourself, didn't bother you at all, but now you got born again and you got God's nature on the inside and the Spirit of God there, and you go out and get drunk now, and the Spirit of God's going to come and say, hey, buddy. Time to shape up. Come on, you're not supposed to do that. So what do you need to do? Not only get saved, but we need to come into the knowledge of the truth. Why is that important? Because there's two spiritual realms, and you are activating them by the truth of the doctrine that you know and believe and act in, or the air that you believe and act in. You're allowing demonic spirits into your life. And there's only two realms. Say only two realms. So there's a kingdom of God, and there's a kingdom of darkness, or the kingdom of Satan. And the more we come out of the darkness into the light, the freer we're going to become, because you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, that it went into the hearts and minds of everybody here, that any air that they might have seen that they've been walking in right now, that they go through it right now, get over it and overcome it, and they jump into the word of God. Father, I thank you for a hunger in everybody here, that we continue to pursue the truth and the word of God, that we may grow every single day closer to you, closer in agreement with you, and closer in line with you, that you can even fill us even more and more with your spirit, your wisdom, and your knowledge. And I thank you for what you did tonight, and give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right.